CSG has simplified the complexity of business by delivering innovative customer engagement solutions that help companies acquire, monetize, engage, and retain customers. CSG manages billions of critical customer interactions every year, and you can find out more by visiting csgi.com. Hey, I'm Nicole Ferraro, a contributing editor at Light Reading. Welcome to What's the Story, a short podcast where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means, and what to expect next. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Jeff Baumgartner for an update on the streaming wars. Jeff was on the podcast this summer talking about the launches of HBO Max and NBC's Peacock. He's here today to give an update on those streaming services and others that have launched or been announced since then, and to talk about what the streaming landscape looks like as we head into 2021. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Nicole. Good to be here virtually again. Yeah, yes, uh, only <laughs> yeah. virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were on the podcast this summer virtually to talk about um, the new streaming services at the time, HBO Max and NBC's Peacock. Um, so let's get up to speed a little bit on the main updates since then. What have been significant developments been around these two newcomers since we last spoke? And what other new streaming services have entered the scene? Yeah, so I think between you know, the, those two, HBO Max and um, Peacock, I, I think the most uh, significant thing that's occurred you know, was the decision by kind of a mix of AT&T and Warner Media and Warner Brothers to offer you know, Wonder Woman 1984 on Christmas Day, along with uh, Warner Brothers' full 2021 slate uh, movies simultaneously on HBO Max and the theaters, and, you know, includes Matrix 4 and Dune. I mean, those are two movies that that I certainly want to see. So, yeah, so, I mean, that move was really driven, of course, by the the pandemic. You know, there's still a lot of uncertainty when uh, people are going to be able to head back to the theaters in mass, and you know it's it's kind of an interesting and and bold gamble. Um, yeah, effectively it should help you know juice up HBO Max subscribers. Um, uh, but interesting, there was a um, I think Moffat Nathanson had put out that HBO Max's pace of annual subscriber growth would have to need to grow by like 8.4 million above like the status quo to kind of make up. The difference um, on uh, kind of what they're losing in the box office. So, you know, that, that's going to be a tall task. And, uh, you know, the service itself, just as an update, um, I think they're up to like 12.6 million activations or something is, is, was the last number. Um, and the movie slate, you know, I think it'll help HBO Max in the midterm. Uh, I'm not sure what kind of long-term damage it's going to cause. Uh, because, uh, especially on the studio, because, you know, Hollywood's like in a big tizzy, you know, <laughs> over this whole thing. Uh, so how far and how deep that's going to go is anybody's guess. Um, but, you know, I'm a consumer and, and uh, as an HBO Max customer, I think it's great news. <laughs> Personally, I, mean, I get to enjoy the experience. I, I like the theater experience and everything, but uh, I'm glad we have kind of this home option will be there at least through 2021. You know, how about you? I mean, does this change your thinking at all? Well, I I'm personally not interested in those movies. Um, okay. So. All right. 
but so I no no change for you. So it's okay. not not yeah. not huge for me. The Hamilton on mm-hmm. Disney Plus was more my my speed um, back yeah, yeah. It, way back in July. But I I mean I'm excited about the prospect of of more movies just coming to to streaming. But I told I also understand the uh, the concern. Yeah. Um, right. From the movie maker's point of view, Peacock individually, you know, I think Jeff Shell, NBC's CEO, kind of talked about it recently. I think they're up to like 26 million signups, about four million higher than where they were at the end of Q3. Uh, what we really don't know yet, though, is um, like the breakdown of those signups. You know, how many are taking the completely free service that's all ad supported versus the paid. Uh, ad supported or ad free version of uh, Peacock, right. but you know that. But they were saying that like advertising is the big, like the primary revenue driver for uh, for Peacock. So I think that's kind of telling, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where uh, the initial emphasis is. And then as far as new ones, um, you know, we can kind of dig into it. But um, you know, the Discovery Plus is going to start in the U.S. in January fourth, and and CBS All Access is going to become Paramount Plus uh, sometime early next year. So, you know, those are plus. a couple of things kind it's of on the horizon. The plus. Everybody's got plus, you know. <laughs> you don't have that. Yeah, the marketing people didn't have to spend a lot of time. Apparently, that's that's the one that's going to work for almost everybody. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, so you've written a lot about the streaming wars and these streaming services this year, this week, even. Um, so what's your take on this push toward more individual streaming services? What does it say about, um, the business objectives for these companies and the industry overall? Um, and are any of these services more likely than the others to have an impact on like the Netflix and the Amazon primes of the world. And I guess we could include Hulu in that category just to be nice. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, all the major programmers and media companies, you know, they have to do it. Um, you know, right. there's really no doubt about that. Um, you know, Michael Nathanson, the, the analyst who uh, really does a good job keeping tabs on all this stuff kind of likened, or has been likening, you know, these direct to consumer services as kind of uh, like lifeboats to carry, you know, the traditional, uh, to carry them along is kind of the traditional pay TV universe kind of implodes and, and consumers continue to move away from linear TV, except for, you know, sports and news. Uh, and, 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 and again, all the major guys are doing it. Um, we talked about NBCU and Peacock, HBO Max, Warner Media, Disney, Disney Plus. You know, they also own Hulu. We talked about Viacom, CBS, and Paramount Plus <laughs> next year and Discovery. So, you know, early on, you know, I think these are, uh, you know, small, smaller lifeboats, you know, for most of the players as they, they try to scale them all up. I mean, that's going to be the big key is scale. Um, yeah. But um, when you're talking about like the impact on, Netflix or an Amazon. Yeah, I think Disney Plus is really the one that's already turned this lifeboat into like a big cruise ship, you know. Um, I mean, Investor Day was this week and, and they're already at like 86.8 million subscribers worldwide. And it's wow. just been over a year, yeah, since they launched it. And they're guiding to like as many as like 260 million worldwide by the end of 
their fiscal 2024. I mean, that's out a bit, but gives you an idea of where they're going. And uh, yeah, everyone's chasing Netflix. Um, I mean, Disney's definitely in the best position to uh, take a true run at uh, achieving similar scale from a subscriber standpoint. And and they have a lot of programming that's going to back it up. Um, And uh, again, Nathan said, I think he was talking about Disney plus and Hulu maybe being in being in position to kind of close the gap with Netflix, at least domestically, but that's like in 2025. So five years out, a lot can change between now and then. Yeah. Yeah. So in sort of like an internet years, who knows, you know, what's going to be going on by then. But, uh, but I think the general idea is like, I mean, those are the services that seem to be of the new ones that are poised at least, be in that same arena. Okay. And if you're wondering about how all of this affects me, it's really that um, I watch The Office on Netflix to go to bed every single night and it's leaving Netflix at the end of December, which means I'm going to have to subscribe to Peacock finally in order to keep that going. Would you go, are you going to go for like the completely free service and and deal with the ads or are you like, I can't deal with ads when I'm watching TV to like fall asleep. I can't deal with ads period. But like if I'm watching TV to fall asleep, I can't have ads coming on. So yeah, I would have to pay for Peacock in order to get the office that I've seen 600 million times already in my, in my life. But you know, I think that they're going to be thrilled to hear that because that was actually, (laughs) One of the things that Jeff Shell said at this talk, um, uh, like the U, uh, UBS thing, that uh, we were talking about prospects for Peacock, and and he, you know, was kind of pointing to that change of the office, and that was going to be, you know, a big big driver, hopefully, and and you're example one right well there. you know what maybe i'll just buy it on itunes or amazon now just just to get back at them for just taking it away from me yeah right forget <laughs> you I'm, I'm gonna give you i'm gonna get all the money yeah somebody else. <laughs> exactly there you go I'll, I'll i'll find a way um right. all right so <laughs> looking ahead um what do you think the important stories are going to be for streaming uh, next year? What are you going to be keeping an eye on? Um, one of the topics mm-hmm. we didn't really touch on was um, Roku. There was some drama there this year. So just wondering if there's um, more you're going to be keeping an eye on with uh, distribution, et cetera. Yeah. Um, with respect to like platforms. Yeah. I thought the, uh, yeah, the Roku stuff is still interesting in that, uh, uh, that some of these battles have kind of centered on them and uh, and and some disagreement with with the company with like HBO Max in terms of uh, you know whether people can subscribe to HBO Max through the uh, you know the Roku platform uh, you know versus uh, you know through their channels offering and, and and I think there's also some contention on the advertising side because Roku's a big growth engine for them has been the advertising side. Uh, so if HBO Max develops, or, you know, they're going to develop an ad-supported version next year, you know, that, that's going to factor in the discussion as well. Um, I think we're all kind of keeping an eye again on uh, between now and Christmas Day, if they're going to get a deal done, because that's, you know, the Wonder Woman release. And, you know, that's going to drive a lot of streaming and a lot of interest in HBO Max. And, and you know, I think it could temporarily 
be problem, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a speed bump, you know, for Roku. But uh, you know, but I think from a, a broader standpoint, I mean, some of uh, you know the the whole market is going to kind of be impacted on you know how well and uh, the world kind of recovers from the pandemic and, and how soon that recovery happens and what shape it's going to take. So, you know, I'll be keeping a close tabs on how, you know, all these services perform, you know, in 2021, I think HBO Max's numbers are going to rise steadily, you know, thanks to the movie slate, um, even though they're not going to get you. But, well, maybe I'll, uh, I'll watch just to be part of the culture, just, just so like we a, have something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Swing in for a month, see what you think, yeah. and then yeah. swing out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it'll, I think that'll help them because they kind of stumbled out of the gate, to be honest. And, um, you know, Discovery Plus will be interesting to follow. Uh, you know, the, the uh, some of the analysts and some of the industry watchers I've talked to think uh, it'll do okay with like a sub, at least domestically, with like a subset of uh, like the super fans of their programming, you know, HGTV, Food Network, uh, the other ones in their stable uh, and do okay internationally. But, you know, kind of, it's going to be a little bit of a hard sell domestically because a lot of the people who are, you know, that watch that content are also already pay TV subscribers. So, you know, how much exclusive content are they going to be able to put in there to kind of get somebody to, to pull the trigger on this additional cost. And then, you know, we talked about Roku, the whole platform situation. Um, the other thing that's going to be worth watching is what or how Comcast progresses with, uh, with their, plan to expand their X1 video platform to smart TVs on, you know, they want to do it on a global basis. Um, I mean, they've got some, some of the top streaming services integrated. Um, we're going to have them integrated at least by the first quarter of this year or next year. Um, you know, they just did the Disney plus deal um, and CBS all access just came on there. Um, I know I'm, I'm missing something but uh oh hbo max is coming on there so you know they're they're kind of covering the bases at least with the the have to have the need to have streaming services yeah so but i think it's still going to be a um a tall task for them to kind of carve into this retail market it's already dominated by roku amazon google and to a smaller degree apple um but again adding those services in the mix uh i mean gives them a little bit of fuel and maybe some you know, some credibility that they're going to need, you know, to be a player in there. I'm just not sure how big that's going to be. I mean, it might be and end up being kind of a small complimentary thing, at least in the near term. Um, but I'm sure the other players in the market are kind of aren't, aren't ignoring it at the same time. Um, and then on top of all that, I'll be keeping an eye on what's going on with pay TV trends in general. It seems to be like um, a sense or a hope. Uh, that uh, maybe in 2021, pay TV market will kind of finally reach that bottom with respect to the uh, the big subscriber losses. And maybe, you know, that'll be like the bedrock where you have the, the people who are still willing to stay because of live sports and, you know, programming that you're not going to get on the streaming services. All right. Well, as always, I enjoyed uh, this conversation and I'm looking forward to seeing how this all pans out next year and to maybe watching Wonder Woman at least. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll dive in for Wonder Woman. The seed has been planted. <laughs> yeah. See where it goes. All right. <laughs> all right. Talk Thanks. to you soon, Jeff. Thank you. 
Thank you so much to Jeff Baumgartner for your time today. Thank you as well to our producer, Tian Fu, for making this episode. And thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review, share this episode with a colleague or friend, and subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more interviews and insights from the team. That's the story for now. See you next time. CSG has simplified the complexity of business by delivering innovative customer engagement solutions that help companies acquire, monetize, engage, and retain customers. CSG manages billions of critical customer interactions every year, and you can find out more by visiting csgi.com.